Welcome to another episode of the Ball Till You Fall podcast. It is August 6th, so it's actually exactly one week since the NBA officially returned in the, in the bubble in Orlando. So I, I haven't put out an episode uh, since basketball really started again, just because I haven't been able to figure out uh, and you know coordinate with somebody to get another person on here to talk uh, basketball with. So I do just want to put out some type of episode at least just because a lot has happened in these seven days since the uh, Pelicans versus Jazz opened up the new NBA restart season. Uh, so for this episode, I'm, it's going to be super simple. Just going to go through some of the most impressive uh, stat lines, just averages for uh, players so far through. Uh, most most teams have played at least four games. Some have played three, but most teams are at three or four. Um, and a lot of these names, you you know, they're they're guys that you would expect to be in in a list like this. But there are a couple couple guys who make this list um, who have some pretty awesome stat lines. Who you might you might not have, and there's a couple who you definitely would not have expected to be to be in the mix uh, heading into into the restart based on their performance during the regular season before the shutdown, the pre-shutdown season. And I'll I'll try and go in order just in terms of like the most impressive stat lines to, you know, and downward. But um, for the most part, except for two players who are on the same team, all of these guys who are on this list are on teams with good records so far in the, in the restart. So we'll start off with the MVP favorite, I would say. And I know the NBA announced that these eight, uh, eight games in the bubble before the playoffs are technically you're not if you have a vote for all NBA teams or MVP, Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved, all those awards. These eight games aren't supposed to count, so you're not supposed to count them towards who you're voting for. But if even if that wasn't the case, I think Giannis would have basically had the MVP wrapped up already. So the Bucks are only two and two. I'm only counting three of the games though for him because against the Brooklyn Nets, which is a game that the Bucks lost. Giannis and Chris Middleton both only played 16 minutes and that was like you know only in the first half so I'm not going to count that and count those stats against him because that's a third of a game so Giannis's numbers so far through three games he's averaging 35 points 15 rebounds and six assists per game and he's shooting 66 percent from the floor and his his numbers during the regular season were pretty crazy but these are even a step up from that because I think I believe Pre-shutdown, his numbers were something like 31, 31 points, 13 rebounds, and around six assists, and over 55% shooting, I think. So he's just, that's what, you know, the great players do is take it another step, uh, take another level up when the games start to matter more. And uh, I don't know, the Bucks record doesn't really matter because actually today uh, they beat they beat the Heat in a really good game. And that officially clinched the number one seed in the East for them. So it's cool to see Giannis still putting up numbers, even though the team didn't really have much to play for, because that number one seed was pretty much, they were going to get it no matter what, even if they had to wait till the, the eighth game to clinch it. So next up we have Damian Lillard. And I know there's been a lot of buzz, rightfully so, around how good uh, Nurkic has looked since missing the entire pre-shutdown season. And he just... He's looked like he hasn't missed a step so far in the bubble, but Lillard is currently averaging 31 points, five rebounds, 11.3 assists per game, and he's shooting 44% from three, 
on 12 attempts per game, which that's insane right there. You know, Harden takes about, I think in the regular season, he averaged about 12 to 13 attempts per game, and he was shooting, you know, somewhere closer to like 36%. 12 attempts per game and 44%, that's that's never been seen before. And I know this is a small sample size, four games, but that's that's insane right there. And to go along with it, the the uh, Blazers are 3-1, and one, which is huge. I, I feel like it's safe to say at this point, they're the best bet to get the eighth seed in the West. Um, and along with those numbers, Dame is also, he's averaging over 42 minutes per game. And the Blazers have really good wins too. That's the other thing. It's not like their three wins weren't against, you know, the bottom teams in the in the bubble. They they beat the Grizzlies to open it up. They barely lost to the Celtics by about two points, so not a terrible loss. And then they beat the Rockets and the Nuggets. So, you know, those are all teams that are, if not, uh, firmly in playoff position they're you know like the grizzlies or the eighth seed so that's a, a huge win for them and 11 the biggest thing for dame actually besides the three-point shooting is those assist numbers that's lebron led the league in assists per game this year and i believe he was at 10.3 so dame is at 11.3 he had he had one game against the celtics he had 16 assists and then today against the nuggets he had 12 assists so He's, I mean, the, there's a lot of cool storylines coming out of the Blazers, you know, in addition to Nurkic and Dame, there's also the emergence of Gary Trent Jr. I feel like emergence isn't even like a a strong enough word to use for what he's done so far in the bubble, but I want to just focus on Dame because he, he really is the engine that, you know, that makes the the Blazers go. And it's not a surprise to see him putting up these numbers in the bubble, but it's cool to see them directly leading to wins also. Okay, next player I have on this list is James Harden. So through four games, um, actually didn't have, they just, the Lakers-Rockets game literally just finished moments ago. So I haven't included the stats from that game into James Harden's averages, but I think every in every stat category, actually, they would they would have boosted those numbers. So through the first three games of the bubble, Harden's averaging 32 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, and shooting 51% from the field. Now tonight against the Lakers, he had 37 points and I believe 11 assists. So, you know, give a slight bump to his numbers there. And now with the win over the Lakers, uh, the Rockets are three and one so far in the bubble. And, uh, and that one, again, similar to what I mentioned with Dame and the Blazers, that one loss uh, for the Rockets wasn't a bad loss. It was actually, it was to the Blazers and it was, it was a super close game. I don't, I forget if it was overtime or not, but it was, it was like a, you know, one possession, great game. Um, and, you know, Harden obviously is doing his thing and the Rockets have been, you know, there's, there are a lot of people's picks as like one of the dark horses in the West or just in the league in general to, you know, knock off one of the LA teams who are the two unanimous favorites in the Western conference. So no surprise to see Harden putting up those numbers. And again, obviously getting to the free throw line just as often as he did pre shutdown. So, no surprises there at all. Okay, next we have the first guy on this list whose team has an under 500 record in the bubble so far, and that is Luka Doncic. But I mean, let's go through the Mavericks record. So they're one in three in the bubble. But if we go through their losses, first loss was a four-point loss in overtime to the Rockets, who we mentioned have a great record in the bubble. Second loss was a two-point loss to the Suns, who are undefeated in the bubble. And that game, that was just. I'm both games, the Rockets game and the Maverick and the Suns game, the Mavericks really just 
choked those games away. There's no there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh, Mavericks beat the Kings, which not a super impressive win. And then they lose to the Clippers, who it's the Clippers. They're loaded, and the Clippers had just came off a, a really tough loss as well, so they were motivated. Um, so I'm thinking about those three teams all have a really good, if you combine their records in the bubble. So I know the Mavericks have a bad record, but it's really hard to fault Luka for that at all if you look at his numbers. So he's averaging 33 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists per game, shooting 48% from the field. Now, those numbers are crazy on their own. The scariest part is that I wouldn't even say that he's necessarily playing you know, like up to the standard that he's set for, for us as fans. I know 48% from the field, is that's pretty good for, for a guard, but shooting under 30% from three, that's not good at all, and also averaging six turnovers per game. Again, not good at all, but just shows that he, even when he's not at his peak, he still is capable of putting up a 33-point-per-game triple-double on average on in a four game sample size so i know it's not a huge sample size but that's still it's not like it's a two game sample size you know um and then quick shout out i can't have two mavericks on this list because again they're one in three but poor zingas is averaging 30 points and 10 rebounds and i think he's shooting a pretty good percentage as well from the field but that's cool to see he had a quietly good season this this uh, pre-shutdown season but it is cool to see him kind of reestablishing himself as that guy that we we knew before all the injuries and kind of just the Knicks got, you know, the Knicks did what they do to their star players. Um, but okay, next up, we'll go with, I'm sure if you're listening to this at this point, you're like, how have you not mentioned this guy already? But it is TJ Warren. Now, I mean, everyone knows they've heard that name because he had first game, uh, first like huge game, in the bubble, TJ Warren had 53 points against the Sixers um, in a in a win for the Pacers as well. But it, that wasn't a fluke. It's not like he had a 53 point game and then you know followed it up with two duds like oh eight points and ten points. 53 point game, then had a 34 point game, and then a 32 point game, and then just today the Pacers lost to the undefeated Suns and. TJ Warren definitely came back down to earth, but still scored 16 points and had 11 rebounds. So even after a down game, based on his you know recent standards, his averages in the bubble are still 34 points per game, seven rebounds per game, and three assists. And he's still shooting from the field, 59%, and from three, 15 of 28, so 54%. And the Pacers are three and one. And this is a guy who averaged 18 points per game in the regular season. So he he's doubled his pre-shutdown scoring average so far through four games in the bubble. And it's impressive. It's, it kind of came out of nowhere. He's I think that three-point number, that 54%, is is the the biggest thing that pops out to me. And, you know, we'll see if he can continue that hot shooting from, from beyond the three-point arc. But... It's cool to see because Oladipo has been struggling and, you know, the the Pacers really haven't missed the beat because TJ Warren has emerged as a go-to wing scorer who can, apparently he can score on anybody. I mean, he gave 53 points to the Sixers who had Ben Simmons guarding him and they also have Matisse Thybul on the team. Like that's maybe one of the best teams outside the Clippers to guard a, a player like TJ Warren and he still had that crazy of a game against them. So... 
he's one of the the more interesting guys to watch in the remaining four games for the Pacers because everyone will be looking to see how he, you know, what his average ends up at if he can continue to, you know, that's three games over 30 points and only one game under 20. So we'll see what, you know, what's the anomaly? What, what has, is he really, you know, is he a, a guy now who could give you 25 points per game on a, on a nightly basis? Cause if he is, that makes things very interesting from a, from a like team management perspective for the, for the Pacers. Next player on the list is the big man, Joel Embiid. Now the, the Sixers are two and one. So they've only played three games and I would say I think it's safe to say that they're they have been one of the more disappointing teams uh, throughout through the bubble so far. Even though a two and one record is not bad, but if you you know look at their games, lost to the Sixers, which again was the aforementioned fifty three point game by T.J. Warren, but then they they beat the Spurs by only two points on a on a game. It, it took a game winning three from Shake Milton, plus the refs missed a blatant goaltending call that would have so okay so the the Sixers beat the Spurs by two points that goaltending call obviously that's two points for the Spurs so it should have gone to overtime and then from that point who knows but again the Spurs aren't you know that's not a a, a really good team by any stretch so a two-point win against them isn't great and then they they beat the Magic which cool you know I know the Magic have home court advantage because all these games in the bubble are in Orlando but no 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 there's no way for Sixers fans to spin that into a great win either because you know what I misspoke that was actually a win against it wasn't the Magic it was the Wizards so even worse there's no way they beat the Wizards by nine points and I know Ben Simmons got injured so that's another you know that's a a story for a different day and I think um, this upcoming Monday Brandon and I will talk about that and just kind of the effects it'll have on the Sixers and it's not really certain how bad of an injury it is but anyways um yeah so the Sixers other win was against the Wizards by nine points so again not a good win by any stretch you know you would like to see the Sixers just go out against the Wizards and just take care of business and just dominate them you know win by 20 plus at least but they didn't um but nonetheless Embiid again similar to how I said the Mavericks have a pretty bad record in the bubble but it's not Luca's fault. I would say the same for Embiid and the Sixers. Embiid's numbers through three games, 33 points per game, 14 rebounds, four assists, shooting uh, 58% from the floor. Now, you know, with those numbers, like what, I, I mean, what else does he have to do? That's really the question. Um, and now with, again, I mentioned it briefly before, but if Simmons does have to miss, I'm sure he'll miss at least a couple games, if not, the remainder of the bubble games. And let's just say he has to miss the playoffs. Let's just say it's that significant of an injury. That only means Embiid will have to, you know, he'll be asked to do even more. Um, and I definitely think he's capable of it, but I'm just, just saying. So through three games, he he's taken 60 field goal attempts. So that's 20 a game, which that's, you know, a significant amount. But for a guy of his caliber, I, I feel like that's not a huge stretch to ask him to take closer to, you know, 25, 26 attempts per game. And I guess the biggest thing, it, this will be really interesting. This is kind of off topic, or kind of off topic, not really. But if Simmons does have to miss, you know, an extended period of time, it will be interesting to see what the Sixers look like with Embiid as, 
you know, as the main guy. Like no no more Ben Simmons clogging clogging the paint and just ruining the spacing for Embiid. And that could be the same, you know, that could be vice versa as well. Let's say Embiid was the one who got injured. You would I would be saying the same exact thing about Simmons. But Embiid has taken nine three point attempts through these three games, which if you ask me, I think that's still one or two too many for him because he's such a dominant uh, post scorer that I would really not want him taking more than one or two maximum per game. And he's only made one of those nine, so it's not like he's knocking them down or anything. Um, but it will be interesting to see. I mean, Embiid is the guy who's that talented that he could take that that 33 and 14 per game and bump it up to 37 and 16. Like that's that's really not out of the realm of possibilities for him because I think he really is that skilled and honestly the Sixers are going to need that out of him if they if they want to be a serious team in the East. But it is time for the final player on this list now. The only player on this list who can say that his team is 4-0 is undefeated so far in the bubble and that is Devin Booker and he's the only guy on this list who also isn't averaging 30 points per game, but it's close enough. He's averaging 28 points per game, four rebounds, seven assists per game, shooting 47% from the field and 40% from three. Now, those numbers on you know by themselves are really good. Um, and there's, there's a couple other guys in the league who in the bubble have averaged similar numbers, like, for example, De'Aaron Fox on the Kings. But the reason why I had to put Booker on this list is because the Suns are 4-0, and and really the biggest critique of Booker throughout his career has been has been the fact that he, he hasn't been on winning teams. He's put up really great numbers basically every season that he's been in the NBA, but the Suns are always really bad for some reason. Even if you, if you look at the Suns pre-shutdown this season, they started out really well, and Booker put up great numbers throughout the season, but then next thing you know, they they barely make it into the bubble. And really the only reason they made it into the bubble in Orlando is because the NBA had to get an even number of teams and they had to let one, one East team who wasn't currently in the top eight into the bubble, which was the wizards. And because of that, they also had to let the suns in. So it was kind of a technicality, but it's, I mean, that's a, that's a cool wrinkle in this whole, the whole story of the 20, uh, 2019, 2020 season is that the Suns are, who would have guessed it? Who, If you had to guess, um, I think the Raptors are undefeated as well, but if you had to guess who, what team would be undefeated through four games in the NBA bubble, the, the Suns might have been like the third to last pick, maybe second to last pick. They probably would have been Wizards, Nets, Suns in that order. Um, but nonetheless, here the Suns are undefeated. And it's not like, again, it's not like that, it's not like they've played you know, just scrub teams, right? Because if you start with, let's start with their first, the first game, beat the Wizards. That's a scrub team. So, you know, you could write that one off, whatever, not impressive. But then look at these next three wins. Win against the Mavs, win against the Clippers, win against the Pacers. Those are three legit teams and the Suns beat them all, you know? And I know it's not all Devin Booker. You know, I, I don't want, that's not the point I'm trying to make here, but like, okay, let's take their game today. The It was a battle of the undefeated teams. Suns were 3-0. Pacers were 3-0 heading into this matchup. Devin Booker comes out of this game, 20 points, 3 rebounds, 10 assists. 
you know, not great numbers, but you know, 20, 20, 10, double, double. But if you see Devin Booker only 20 points, you might've thought, oh, the Pacers probably won. Sun still came out with the victory. So I just think I just had to throw Devin Booker in here because it's cool to see, you know, him putting up not empty stats, right? These are stats that are actually leading to wins. And uh, it's it's a long shot to say that the Suns are going to make the playoffs as the eighth seed or even trigger a playing game. But, the, I mean, the Suns are 4-0. Grizzlies are 0-4. Pelicans are 1-3. There's, I mean, there's a not super unrealistic scenario where the Blazers are the eighth seed and the Suns are the ninth seed. And as long as they're within four games after these eight bubble games triggers a, a playing you know a playing scenario where the Suns would have to beat the Blazers two consecutive times to get the eight seed. But with the way those two teams are playing right now, that that's a matchup that I would oh my God, you sign me up for that right now. You know, that would be an incredible matchup. Booker versus Lillard. You have Aiton versus Nurkic. That would yeah, that would just be fun to watch right there. But anyways, so that'll do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I know it's a super quick one, just about 20, 21, 22 minutes, but just had to get something out there for you guys. And then hopefully uh, we'll we'll be back with another episode, either Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. And it'll be more more big picture takeaways from the games in the bubble so far, not just from an individual player perspective, but more along the lines of like what teams you know are we higher on what teams are we disappointed by so far in the bubble Um, but anyways hope you enjoyed and talk to you soon